You're listening to the Build Shapes Podcast presented by Midco Sports. Tournament time is here and Midco Sports gets you closer to the madness than anybody else. Whether on your TV or streaming on Midco Sports Plus, you can watch full coverage of the NSIC Basketball Tournament February 25th through the 28th and the opening four days of the Summit League Tournament the following weekend. It's all on Midco Sports. This is how we do sports and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves Podcast. We are taping this on a Tuesday afternoon, the 21st of February. Alex Heinrich, Build Shaves, and special guest, Missouri Valley Football Conference Commissioner of 38 seasons now, Patty Viverito. Patty, thanks for being with us. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, thanks, Patty. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Alex and I are on to pod number 128 right now. So uh, we've got special guest uh, uh, here and I we're excited about this conversation. We really, really are. So I, I was able to see Alex, I was able to see Patty last week. We had our Missouri Valley football conference meetings and uh, maybe just start right there is how did you think they went, Patty? And just uh, in general, um, where the conference is right now and uh, and what you see maybe moving forward. I thought it was a terrific meeting. Um, I thought we had some really meaty subjects, but no drama. So that's a really nice combination for a commissioner. When uh, I can tell you that at the president's meeting with our athletic directors in tow, we had presentations from our sport medicine committee from our from Leona, who, who they are helping us with our media renegotiation with ESPN, and and then we invited Jen Fraser from the NCAA to talk about all things national, and it's interesting that all three of those presentations got applause. So it isn't often you can come to a conference meeting and walk out with presidents applauding uh, the progress that we're making on all three of those fronts. You know, I quick quick follow up, Patty, and obviously I was in the room, so. Uh, talk about the sports med group. I, I was highly impressed. Um, I leaned over to Dr. Armacost and, and just said, you know, of all the things I think I've been a part of uh, in a conference, in a, in a conversation, that's probably the most important, critical conversations that we're having, especially given what transpired at Monday Night Football. But but talk about what's what's occurring in the league. Yeah, a little background. So February 2020, um, Dr. Pyatt, who's the, the team physician for North Dakota State, and his friends at Sanford came to the Missouri Valley Football Conference and said, we think we should be working collaboratively together to make football in this league safer, healthier, just better for our student athletes and our institutions, and we think we can help. We'd, we'd like to, to partner with you in some way. We got all excited about it, and then you all know what happened in March of 2020, and so that got put on the back burner. Well, we resurrected the project last spring when we met, and the presidents at that time gave us the green light to form the Sports Medicine Committee. So it's made up of all of our team docs for football, as well as um, head athletic trainers who, who cover football. And they have been at work for less than a year, and they've already accomplished so much. Uh, the first year initiatives included a, a really comprehensive directive that a directory that's state of the art not only gives you, you know, photographs of everybody that you're going to be seeing on the medical scene when a visiting team comes, but you know where the hospital is and what their what their uh, protocols are for for catastrophic incidents, and and they they dug deep on that. Um, we we came up with uh, several uh, protocols we adopted as best practices, and they're just getting started. 
And now we're looking at um, some educational sessions and Bill referenced it briefly, um, you know, really learning from the lessons of the NFL with the, with the cardiac incident. Um, one of the things that came out of that was the NFL has 30 medical people on staff. And so they're a little different position than we are to react to those kinds of incidents. And so uh, one of our docs put together uh, a, a presentation that included not just sort of like the lay of the land and what you need to do, but it was a five point call to action to make things run smoother in the event of, of that kind of a potentially tragic incident. And so it was it was roll up your sleeves, get things done. Um, and, and very aspirational. And that was basically that report. And that got a round of applause. It did. It did. And, and I think the most uh, important thing for all of us is it doesn't matter if you're in Macomb, Grand Forks, uh, Brookings, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, you're going down there, you know what the level of care you're going to get and what the support is there, because obviously, as we saw, every minute counts. Well, and one of the recommendations was know who your EMS people are, you know, like know them by name, figure out who they are and make sure that there are no, the last, the last place you want to be meeting that person is on the field and when there's an incident happening, you know, so really, really preparedness in a way that um, I thought was, was very forward thinking. Last thing for me is the, the, you know, even Alex, the A AED devices, you know, they're all not, not all of them are the same, right? So you, mm -hmm. you need to know which one you've got going there. And literally you can't be figuring it out as, as Patty said, when something has occurred. Yeah. Cause the timing of these things are so important and having those procedures in place in a game like this, where these things do arise, it's going to, it's going to save lives. And that, that sounds like a big statement, but that doesn't feel like hyperbole. That sounds like th that it is in the realm of possibility based on what we've seen. If you really do think about it, you can have an ambulance there like we all do. You can have all these devices there. You can have medical personnel there. But if they're not coordinated and working as a team, you know what? You're going to lose valuable time when something's occurring. Right. And by definition, 50% of the people that are going to be helping you are, are visitors. They, they aren't familiar unless you proactively get them familiar. Oh, well, good on the league for making those steps to start that process and to get that in place, especially with, you know, our student athletes in mind, for sure. So from one very serious topic now to another, probably less serious in the grand scheme of things, but equally serious to what people are listening to this are curious about. Uh, let's talk a bit about FCS playoffs, Patty. This has kind of been maybe status quo for a bit of having a, a 2014 field and eight teams get a bye and you know, the seeding, et cetera. What do you see as potentially being the next iteration of that? There was a lot of buzz this last year that changes might be needed or that should be pushed in place. Where do you see the playoffs going in the next handful of seasons? Let's start with the baseline, and that is that I love our postseason format. Hmm. I love having 24 teams. I love having eight buys in the first round to our top-seeded teams. I love naming a national champion you know, by playing those games. Um, and I also uh, can tell you that it's a whole lot of fun when both teams in the national championship happen to be from the Missouri Valley Football Conference. <laughs> but that's just a little bright aside. Um, the next big thing, I believe, is um, an effort that is ongoing um, with the FCS commissioners and the FCS committee to work more collaboratively to figure out how to make things better. And at the top of the list, and both groups are wholeheartedly on board and enthusiastic about this. Uh, we want to seed 16 teams. 
We think if we can seed 16 teams, you, you still have the eight teams that have the bye on Thanksgiving weekend. The next eight teams, if able, would host. And that takes all of the guesswork out of who gets to bid and who gets picked and all the nonsense that sometimes that can create. And then you pair up the last eight geographically in a way, you know, in a manner that saves money. Um, we're hopeful that we can get at least 12 seeds as early as this upcoming season, but we're really going to advocate for maintaining a 2014 bracket, not expanding, but expanding the seeds to 16 rather than eight. Awesome. Any follow-up to that, Alex? I guess my one thought would be, what would be the biggest reason why you couldn't get to 16 seeds? Or what's the biggest pushback on why we haven't gotten more seeds in and more of that bracket integrity in place in recent years? Alex, this is going to be the easiest, most obvious answer you can imagine. And you could name it yourself. It's funny. (laughs) (laughs) You know, right now we're matching teams up geographically. And uh, that's not a good thing, especially for those of us in the upper Midwest um, who and there really just aren't as many teams in the in the western part of the United States playing FCS football. So we always get paired up against, you know, Missouri Valley Conference teams in the second or third round or big sky teams. And we think that puts us at an incredible disadvantage to the field at large. And it makes it more regional rather than national mm-hmm. in, in, in how it, the whole bracket feels. And we'd like it to be a national championship with a national interest bracket. Amen. No, good answer, Patty. Thank you. So question number three, your final question. So this is really uh, very easy. The pod is very friendly. Uh, <laughs> so very, very broadly, Patty, um, You've been in this a long, long time. Look inside your crystal ball. Where, where is the NCA going landscape-wise, Division One, and let's just say FCS football too? So, like, those are the three areas. I, in, in you've in, and I should say this: Patty has spent a lot of time recently uh, in Indianapolis, and she's on football oversight committee and the Division One Council. So she's got tremendous perspective, like as far as what's being discussed at this moment. But just look inside Patty Viverito's crystal ball. All right. So I don't want to get into the hyperbole of, oh, college sports, we have existential threats. And if we don't fix them, they're going to go, you know, the college sports as we know it is is going to disappear. Um, It it makes me nervous. Um, I I think we have a new NCAA president who may be uh, offering us some hope that there may be some help from Congress um, and that he has the political acumen to perhaps help us get that done. Um, we do need help. Um, that being said, um, I, I think I think inertia is a really powerful force. <laughs> and I think it's hard to create transformational change. And I think the exercise that we just went through with the NCA Transformation Committee is a very good example of that. I mean, that group was given a, a blank slate and said, we want transformational change, get it done. And a year later, we got the report. And while there is significant change, eh, transformational, eh, maybe not so much. And I, I just say that because, again, inertia is a very powerful force. Status quo is hard to overcome. And so while there are changes on, on the landscape and that we need to be cognizant of both opportunities and threats, 
I'm just not quite ready to say it's the end of the world for college sports, and I remain ever hopeful, especially um, college sports at the level that we're playing it, because I think it absolutely makes sense in an educational model, and I'm ever so hopeful that we'll be able to maintain that moving forward. Awesome. Thank you. Alex, follow-up to that? Yeah, I like what you said that it feels like momentum can build and, and it can go positive or negative. And it feels like sometimes with the NCAA, it can be negative momentum or there's a negative connotation with what how the state of play is within college athletics. But there's also so many positive things that have been building for you know decades now that are going in the right direction still. I, I think um, it's less of a follow-up and more of just a comment that I, I think that there's so much good within these institutions, within the larger body that it's, it's hard to throw everything out and, and scrap it and start over again. I just think there's so many positive things that come from the model as it is, even if it's not perfect. Why start from scratch? You know, can we just make some subtle changes to perhaps increase? Are there some things, Patty, that you wish were different, perhaps maybe is what I'm getting at, like smaller things that you'd like to see changed from an NCAA, you know, from college athletics model as it currently stands that might help the student athlete experience, might help people embrace this more, make it more successful, what stands out to you that could be changed without undergoing a big transformation? Well, I, I think we are definitely looking towards and forward to a more engaged student athlete voice in how we govern. And I think that's a good thing. Um, and I think it's probably a piece of the equation that's been missing. And moving forward, I trust that we're going to make better decisions by making sure that that voice is heard. I'm gonna give you one example of that. Um, when COVID hit, we had lots of conversations all across Division I about whether we should play or not. And then about whether or not we should play in the spring, moving from the fall to the spring. And on one of our president's calls, someone asked very wisely, well, what do our student athletes think? And we didn't make a decision about whether to play in the spring until we had each and every institution survey their athletes and tell us what they thought we should do, what they were willing to do, and we followed their lead. We had one campus that actually opted out that year. Um, everybody else rolled up their sleeves and tried to get it done, but we did it with um, support uh, from our student athletes. And so I think that if I'm looking for one change and it's one that's positive, I would say, having the student athlete voice be more prominent in our decision-making process. And I do believe that this committee uh, by and large uh, supports that as well. And I think that's something that I think we all can do on our own campuses. And, you know, it's kind of like what think globally and act locally. I mean, we can do that. We can do that on a day-to-day -day basis and it makes a difference. And I can tell you here, you know, when we do have questions about something, you know, we always kind of check in with our, our students because uh, they're the end user. Ultimately they, they, they normally have the answer. I mean, so, uh, or at least they can give you options with that, Patty, we really do appreciate you joining us. Alex, we're in great shape with, with Patty at the helm. You know, she's, she's involved in a lot of different conversations nationally and uh, we're just lucky to have her as commissioner. Well, I'm lucky to be the commissioner. And I, like I said, I either am in a terrible rut or I really love what I'm doing. It's yeah. the latter. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, thanks again so much for your time. Best of luck continuing to steer the ship in the Missouri Valley Football Conference forward. Thank you both for your time.
Great to have Patty Viverito on. Such a wealth of knowledge and experience in that role and across a variety of roles around the NCAA. You can tell she's in this very much and this is this is her life's work and she is on the pulse of what's happening. As you said a moment ago, the league is in very good hands with her at the helm. Yeah, so, so back when we formulated this governance model, this latest gover- governance model, we ended up having the uh, board of directors at the top and then the division one council, which was kind of like day-to-day operations. Then what was formulated underneath were seven oversight committees. One of them was football. And what's what's evolved over time is the majority of all the conversation in regards to football happens in that oversight committee gets up to the division one council because they've vetted everything already. Very seldom. Is there a time where the D one, they might pause on something. They're probably not going to vote no on anything. It's either a yes, or maybe we're not ready for it right now. And so with Patty being on the oversight committee for football is incredibly huge. Cause as you might imagine, many of the topics start with the FBS in mind initially. And then what ends up happening is how does that affect the FCS world? And with her knowledge over the course of time, she just is able to go into the toolbox and be able to, you know, I I mean, come out and say, Hey, I get what you're trying to do, but are you good if this particular, you know, subdivision does this instead? And so she's been an awesome voice for us. Yeah, well, it was really nice of her to take some time and especially again, timely coming off of meetings that took place a week prior. She's right in the midst of this. This is all happening right now in real time, as we say. So great to have her on. And as you said, she will be a repeat guest. This will not be the last we hear from Patty on this podcast moving forward. That's right. The, the, the pod made a decision late in 22 to, to have guests on in 23. So we, we, we cannot disappoint the audience for sure. So, but I think you can have repeat guests. I think we've clarified that you can have follow-up questions mm-hmm. and repeat guests. These are all on the table. This is, this is all yes. out there and available for us to use. Yes. That, that's in our toolbox. <laughs> that's right. Well, also in the, in the Rolodex of things we go to, there's usually a little, a little run around the mulberry bush, which we're going to do right now around UND athletics. And then we'll also have a, a little brief time for a B side at the very end. The big news right now, as we pod this again on a Tuesday in the 21st of February is the weather that is really going to affect potentially a number of events coming up this week. We've already seen the weather change the indoor track and field championships in Vermilion from a Friday, Saturday meet to a Saturday, Sunday, just to keep it a little further away from this gigantic winter storm. You know, there's some basketball games going on around the region coming up on Thursday night that might be affected by this. Give us a little look inside the decision-making process when you're dealing with storms that you know are going to be bad, but don't quite know maybe the extent. Give us a little hint on those conversations, Bill. Yeah. So the one thing that, you know, we know, and you have great experience with Commissioner Fenton and his NCHC days, but the one thing that he is, is uh, incredibly organized and incredibly communicative. And so he was on top of this over the weekend in regards to, especially Alex, coming up to the last week of the regular season, which right now there's a lot of variance that can happen in the standings. And it's incredibly, uh, you know, 
uh, important between, let's just say, place number seven and place number six. I mean, the difference literally between having to play and not play. So so I think uh, Josh was trying to get ahead of it with all of us. And even though we're not maybe as impacted here in Grand Forks with this storm, Obviously, the travel piece is uh, something that all of us are going to have to deal with, especially given where this storm's going to be within our footprint in, uh, of the uh, of the conference. So, you know, literally, we were talking about it, um, you know, since Saturday about what our options are. And I think that's what he had hoped that all of us did to kind of figure out, you know, figure out what you're doing. And, you know, sometimes a bus makes sense. But sometimes a plane makes more sense, right? You can go over the storm. So it just depends on where you're going. And uh, I can tell you, as of today, um, our uh, many of the teams that are in travel mode are pushing up their travel so that they can try to get to their destination um, uh, in advance of, of the games on Thursday. So that's it. that's at least what we're doing at this stage of the game with all the hope that if you are there on Thursday, maybe the storm, knock on wood, from what I can tell, maybe it gets a little bit better towards the weekend, and then maybe you can get to where you need to go on that Saturday. So that's kind of real time where we're at. I think um, certainly, uh, let's call it the South Dakota area is certainly getting a a good chunk of uh, snow, as is uh, the cities. We know that for sure. Um, With that, with the with the track, I think the thought process was buying a day later is a better move. And so that's the reason why you saw that occur as well. Yeah, just smart. Again, so many things to think through, especially in a conference like this that stretches from the Rockies to, you know, to Illinois and beyond. Like you've got a pretty big footprint, North Dakota down to Tulsa. I mean, it's, it's a big geographical area and things are going to get hit at different times. You just got to do your best to look ahead and plan for the worst. Because as you said, from a basketball perspective, these are the, outside of the tournament themselves. I mean, it's the most important weekend of the year. There's just so much to be decided and there's no wiggle room to make up a game after the fact. So if you don't get it done this weekend, you're going to have an unbalanced schedule, which again, we've had before and it's fine. And you figure it out via win percentage, et cetera. But it does certainly <laughs> compromise some of the tie-breaking scenarios and the fact that everybody wouldn't get to play a full 18-game regular season and all the stuff that goes along with that. If you can do what you can to make it happen, you make it happen. I also think it's unique, by the way, that we're having another giant winter storm as North Dakota is set to travel to Macomb. It just seems like that's (laughs) that's just... Because the men experienced this back the first time around. The women get it this time. There have been many years. I can remember years ago, there was a, a season where the women were trying to get there when Travis Brewster was the head coach. And it was just like a tr- planes, trains, and automobiles situation. Something the men's basketball team got to experience this past weekend trying to get to Oklahoma. Just There's just never any simple solution sometimes <laughs> this time of year, isn't it? You're, you're going to have weather issues. It's just a matter who's going to get affected on what week. But I will dispel this if, if folks are uh, on social media or not. We were not driving our team to Tulsa, Oklahoma. In case people are interested in that, that that was not in the plans, not. So uh, it just happened that that was 
really the only alternative we had once things kind of got a little uh, sideways, uh, let's just call it with the airlines. And so once that occurred, you, you, you couple something that occurred, let's just say with the airlines, mother nature, and the best, the best decision at that point was to control what you can control. And that was to get into a bus and go down to, to Tulsa. And so, uh, you know, again, not ideal, not what we were looking for. But again, I think, uh, you know, sometimes we do know the great ones adjust and and you sometimes you make memories and you don't want to make those memories all the time, but our guys will remember it for sure. Um, but you know, we went down, we, I thought we played okay too. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, I mean, they were in a vehicle that, you know, they could at least stretch their legs, do whatever they had to do and get caught up on Wi-Fi on, on, on projects. So, you know, at, at that point, not ideal, but it occurred and then uh, got back to Kansas city and then, uh, and then flew home. So, uh, and then here we are this week. <laughs> so it's, you know, so you're, you're literally week to week, but uh, yeah, we, we, to, to dispel any rumors out there. Yes, we do intend to fly our teams to Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> now, just in case people are, are unaware, I mean, this is something that on trips like that, Typically men's basketball, women's basketball, like our teams typically do travel commercial, like they're flying a commercial Mm -hmm. airline. And this is complicated. I mean, you're taking up a lot of seats on the plane and it's, it doesn't always work out that everybody's going to be able to get on the same plane and make those things happen. And that's maybe a little bit of what happened this past weekend. And not everything is clean. um, For sure. Flights can get altered. You've got connections to make. And if you miss your connection, then you're, the question is, well, we could have made it to where we were originally going. The problem was, is we weren't playing Denver. So, so the issue is to get to Tulsa would have been a problem to, to, to ultimately get there. So we had to kind of pivot. And then the other piece is sometimes, sometimes you have a, a triangular sort of uh, trip that you're doing via flights, or you might be doing what our ladies are doing this, this, this time around fly to Chicago bus to Macomb, and then bus to St. Paul, and then bus back to Grand Forks. So, so each trip is its own. And, um, you know, obviously you try to make it as best as you can, but there's just, you're going to get affected. I mean, people have traveled, you, you know, that, you know, the drill, and especially when mother nature gets involved. And then we all know that, um, the, the, the labor shortage in that industry is real. And sometimes you're waiting on crews. And, and that becomes a thing as well. Talk about that difference between going from, you know, a charter flight, which obviously is much more expensive, but sometimes you get some outside help to make those things happen versus getting a team on a commercial airline versus, versus doing a bus trip. Like from a university perspective and a budgetary perspective, how do you kind of break those things down and make those decisions for each individual sport? You know, I think we look at it a little bit differently. Um, when you're talking about moving a football team and you're talking about 130 in your travel party, uh, it, it's almost as if you'd be taking up a plane anyways. So that that makes sense. Um, and then uh, I, you're right. We've had generous supporters that have provided opportunities um, that I'll say that. Right. And so um, but but absent that, you know, then we're in commercial travel mode. And that's where we are with the majority of our teams. And 
you know, when, when things go awry, you know, you just have to adjust and, you know, I, you don't get too caught up in it. You just, just figure out what's next, what's next, you know, try to get ahead of it as best as you can. And you want multiple options. And, you know, sometimes, you know, option Z could be having to border a bus and go down to say a Tulsa where you have to exchange the bus, you know, several times. And so that's not ideal, but, Again, I, I think sometimes, you know, you just don't know what's going to be ahead of you, so you you make the right decision at the at the moment. But but you're right; there, everything has a has a price tag to it, and you know, and and again, when you're dealing with 17 sports and we've got a lot of different teams flying a lot of different places, things can happen. <laughs> things things can and they do this time of year. So that's we we say that all, all that to say. Good luck to everybody this week and and safety first. Hopefully everybody can get to where they need to go, that the games can be played. And if not, at the end of the day, you know what? We're still going to have a tournament in Sioux Falls the next week and we'll figure out the seedings and, and what comes and you just make it work, whatever comes. And I think that's important, you know, and I, I think your your comment is 100%. Our first box that we want to check is safety. And so if that means you need to stay an extra night if you need to alter your plans in some way, shape, or form, those are things that we talk about all the time because we want to make sure that we're doing the right, um, you know, we're trying to make the best decision in the moment, given the information that we have. We were talking about hoops. Let's just continue on in that thread because the women's basketball team right now has put themselves in a position to be the number two seed in the Summit League tournament. They have been on this great run down the stretch, a five-game win streak. They conclude the home portion of the regular season with back-to-back wins over Oral Roberts and Kansas City. Two very different games, which you can discuss if you want to, about as about as different as you possibly can get while still being the same sport. But they win them both, and they're now 13-1 and at home. That's an incredible home record for this group. Two games left and, and still all to play for. And, and the men as well. Men are very much in the same position in terms of catching fire at the right time, winning four of their last five, despite some travel difficulties last year. They're obviously a little further down the table, but talk about, you always say you want to peak this time of year. Both of these teams appear to be doing so, Bill. Yeah, I I think we've said it uh, a couple of times. It felt like our men just couldn't piece together 40 minutes. And you saw some, you know, really encouraging signs. Uh, and now it feels like we're piecing together full games. Um, you know, I think they, you know, to some degree would have loved to have the first half back against ORU, but certainly the second half, we, we, we played our t- uh, tails off and played really, really well and had a shot, had a shot to at least send it to OT. Um, so uh, two shots actually. Um, and so then, you know, I think, they're just maturing. I, I mean, I guess that's the best way of putting it. I think our coaching staff's done a nice job of 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 keeping the faith, um, giving them confidence, and and trying to you know not so much look at the record so to speak, but look ahead to the next game and how do you play the next forty minutes as well as you can. And yeah, I think we're I think we're dangerous. I think we're I think we're playing pretty well. I think our our young guys are now older guys and uh you know they're getting they've gotten some uh miles on their odometer and that makes a difference and yeah the ladies uh yeah nice time to uh to to string a few together which has been been great took a 
took advantage of some home cooking, which is, which is great. And uh, now I got to go back on the road where the road has been, you know, obviously difficult for us this year in the league. And obviously last trip was great. Um, but, you know, we've always had some um, challenges uh, in Macomb, it, you know, uh, JD does a great job down there. And, uh, and then you come back to uh, St. Paul and St. Thomas is, is, is tricky. They, they, uh, they know who they are. They are. And they're going to play, I think, at a certain level, and you better match that. And so we have our challenges this week, but you're right. There's a chance that we could finish in second place. And I think that's important potentially as well for, you know, potential postseason play uh, if it's not the NCAA tournament. So, uh, so again, all those conversations to some degree behind the curtain being had, but doesn't matter. I mean, the controllable is go out and play well. Yeah. You mentioned the importance of second uh, on a number of levels. Obviously, if you get the two seed, now you're playing on Saturday. You're getting a team that's going to be coming off. Now, we, we, we've talked on the pod before. Some people don't like the fact that you're going to play a team that has already played. But whatever, regardless, you're playing a lower seed. You get a, If you win that game, you get a day off between the quarters and the semifinals. You don't have to play back-to-back till the semi and the championship game. All nice things. Plus, there's also the boost of saying, we finished second. We're right there. And if South Dakota State does indeed win the Summer League Tournament and gets into the, that, you know, the big dance, et cetera, who gets to go to the WNIT? It's the two seed. So that's a nice little something there that would be kind of guaranteed penciled in, et cetera. Not that that's a, that's a fallback, but it is nice if you are the two seed. So a lot of benefits there. Yeah. And of course, you know, you're at a point where the higher you can finish, that's where you're going to want to be. Right. So, um, you know, just from a program standpoint as well. So, um, yeah, so I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll play, we'll play well, um, just a matter, you know, can you get it done on the road? And we know, I mean, it's, it's, it's every team thinks they're going to win at home. So, and they should. So, you know, much like our guys, I mean, our guys this week, I think they feel like, you know what, not that they left one on the table at Western. I mean, I, you know, Western kind of got on a roll when they played us, which was, and then they had a heck of a week and, uh, you know, they've had a nice season and then, uh, you know, then we're going to have to figure out the Tommies on Saturday. So, so we've got our work cut out for us for sure. Yeah. Two good teams that North Dakota is looking up at on the men's side, two good teams that UND is looking down at on the women's side, but again, Throw the records out a little bit at this point. Everybody fighting hard to finish strong and get into the Summit League tournament on a high note. So big games coming up again. Those men's games, of course, will be home. We'll have those games live on Midcoast Sports on Thursday night and then Saturday afternoon as well. And of course, we will have full coverage of the Summit League tournament up until the championship game coming up the following week. It's crazy that that is just right on the doorstep. So starting on Friday, running through Tuesday for the title game, which will be on ESPN, but then our coverage will end on Monday with uh, semifinal Monday. So it's going to be great. Excited to be a part of that coverage again this year and to see our North Dakota squads involved. It's going to be a great week coming up next week, Bill. No doubt. It's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I do like, I like the tournament format. I think, you know, you, you, you know, you, you reach a certain point on the table and you know what you get to uh, don't have to play in that first round. I, I, I there, there's, it, it keeps you very interested throughout the whole year, which is awesome. Yeah. So new thing, new format, uh, but still the same excitement. And I think still the same level of expectation that it's going to be a phenomenal handful of days at the Denny Sanford premier center. Yeah. A few more games. I mean, I, I, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to do it, do it right. Like just put it all in. So there you go. It's going to be awesome. Oh, can't wait. So be sure to tune in again. That's coming up Friday, March the 3rd. It all gets started from Sioux Falls. 
Hockey, meanwhile, has a little more time left before the conference tournament starts. Their tournament doesn't begin until the following weekend. The UND men just got done with a split against St. Cloud, but a really feel-good split where they won on Friday, they drew, but then lost in a shootout on Saturday. So this, the points end up being even. But you know, a win and a tie for Bradbury's crew as they continue to try and find ways to move forward. And I, again, from a just pure, how did they play this weekend? What was the performance like? It's pretty good. Pretty good both nights, especially Saturday. They dominated for long stretches of that game against the number six team in the country. A lot of positive returns coming out of that weekend. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Alex. I, I think every every season, you know, has its own uh kind of vibe to it. And and for us, it, it's about how we play. And I, I think there's a certain way that if we play, we're gonna be a, a tough out. And, uh, and I, I think, you know, St. Cloud found that out on Saturday and, you know, I, I mean, but for maybe a couple of inches, I, I, what, what did we hit? How many, how many posts, maybe four, three, three, yeah, three on the yeah. night, yeah. three on the night. I mean, and, and again, it, it, you know, you can, you know, wishes or fishes. I mean, it, it just, whatever you just, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, you got to put it in the net. I get it. But, uh, but I thought the way we played, was exactly the way we need to play. And I think then, uh, you know, the scoreboard literally will take care of itself. And uh, regardless, if we're in the Ralph or we're in Colorado Springs or wherever we're playing and whoever we're playing, if we can play that way, um, you know, I like our chances. I do. I, I still you know, believe, you know, there's, there's a pathway for all hockey teams. And uh, sometimes the margin's just thinner. And so this year the, the margin's a bit thinner and, uh, but I do like the way we played over the weekend. It was fun to see the crowd get so animated. So behind the team, both nights, like incredible fan support and the team, it was that great symbiotic relationship where the team gave the crowd, you know, the energy and the drive and the crowd fed that right back. And then, and then the results started to happen because on Friday, again, North Dakota is losing three to two, but they were pressing hard for the equalizer and really giving everything. And, you know, 12, nearly 12,000 people recognized that even, even from a losing position and really helped push them towards what was an incredible finish with Reese Gaber scoring the game tying goal and then getting the game winner in overtime. Like that's, there haven't been too many moments like that this year, but it was just that great reminder how special any given night can be inside Ralph Engelstad Arena. Yeah, well, 100% fans were awesome. Uh, we appreciate them so much. It's unbelievable environment. But there's some things like that. reason why you go to games is because you might see something you've never seen before. Mm. I have never seen a team in the offensive zone for how how long was it, Alex? Because you, you're doing the game, so you, yeah. you probably know better than I do. But it felt like like five minutes, but it was probably more like maybe two and a half, three minutes, somewhere in that I range. Think, I think it ended up being almost four. I think in the moment, I remember seeing seven, seven minutes on the clock and they had been in the zone for a little bit and they were still in the zone and it was like four and a half. And I think we said on the broadcast, like, oh my gosh, two and a half minutes of zone time. But really they had been in the zone even previous to that. So I think it was almost four minutes was the official time that Alec Johnson had passed along. Like just crazy, sustained zone time for that long, not on a power play, not on a five-minute major, just five-on-five, five, grinding down the opposition, tracking pucks down. Again, they didn't get a goal off it, incredibly, even though they had great chances. 
St. Cloud State blocked something like 22 shots that night. It was like just wild stuff, but it was uh, it was just an example of like how how good this team can be and how mm. desperate they were to try and get the result they wanted over the weekends. How uh, how many times have you ever seen a standing ovation? You know, for a team <laughs> that literally did not score a goal. Uh-huh. I mean, it just was it was incredible, and uh, yeah, I just. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it sounds uh, almost a little condescending, but I was so proud to watch them just grind it out. And that's the, you know, that's the way if this team can kind of f- find that spark and, and maybe get on a little run and, and, and play like that, um, we could be a real dangerous out. Well, that's the North Dakota team I think people are used to seeing. Like this, yep. they're, they're not always the flashiest group, but they bring that that lunch pail mentality every night. Reese Gaber said it after Friday's game. So the least we can do is, you know, put our hearts on the ice, like just give everything we've got on the ice. And and I think you saw that manifest itself in that shift and in the, really the final two periods of the game on Saturday. And like you said, they're, they're a dangerous group and they're capable of doing special things. And they just... It almost feels like they've just needed a little push and a little boost, and uh, the results are not quite maybe where they have been in recent seasons, but they still have this great opportunity the last two weekends of the regular season to win some games. Difficult, of course, on the road at CC, at home against an Omaha team that might finish as high as second in the league, depending on what happens over the last two weekends, but certainly opportunity there. Uh, It's a close, strong even if they go on the road in the quarterfinals, which now it almost feels like there's a small, small chance that they need to get involved in a three-way tie. They need to win out. St. Cloud State needs to lose out. Duluth needs to get exactly four points. There's a lot of permutations, but assuming they'll be on the road, I wouldn't want to be the team that has to play North Dakota in the first round in a three-game series. No thanks. Yeah, I you know I think we just have to continue to um, you know stay healthy and you know what, just play that way and anything can happen so excited about you know what's to come for sure so uh going to colorado springs the uh on the weekend at least marty's going to make that trip with the team and uh, i'll be back home with basketballs and so uh uh and then we finish up the following week with omaha here and then the regular season amazingly is uh we put one in the books it's crazy i know the marathon of college hockey again the regular season two weeks away from closing we should mention friday's game at ed robeson arena we'll be live on midco sports we're carrying the hcnc broadcast back so if you're not an nchc.tv person you can still watch that game live so that'll, that'll be fun and of course we'll have the senior night uh, activities coming up the following week against the mavericks of omaha uh, other UND sports, everything's kind of in motion right now. Obviously, yep. both tennises are still performing well. The men now 10-2. and two. The women coming off a nice victory the other day. They've won two of their last three. Softball got underway over the last two weekends out in California and South Carolina. Men's golf got started this last weekend, at least the spring portion in Utah. Women's golf getting set to launch this coming week down in Phoenix. It's all happening, though. Everybody in motion pretty much this time of year, isn't it? A lot of teams traveling. <laughs> A lot of teams traveling. So we're in tremendous communication with them in, in knock on wood. Hopefully, you know, they don't get caught up in places, but you know, that's what we do. And we've got to make sure that we, uh, we keep our students safe. There aren't many teams that are not in an official competition mode right now. You think of the fall sports like soccer and volleyball and football that are kind of in that training and getting ready to go. Football will be getting ready to start spring practice right now, or in some years be already very much in it. That's been pushed back a little bit because of some changes on the coaching side, Bill. 
Yeah, so uh, Brett Holenka uh, informed us that uh, he's going to uh, step away from football. And so uh, uh, that provided, uh, I think, a, a moment where where coach Schweiger has to kind of think through what's what's in the best uh for the for the program moving forward so that kind of is going to delay what our initial um uh time frame for spring ball was going to be so uh so we're in that process as well and we had a, a, another coach uh, depart as well so we're we're kind of we're going through uh kind of a little bit of a later cycle that you would uh normally not get but uh, so we're go- kind of going through all of the, um, you know, HR processes that 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 it takes to uh, to get um, fully staffed back up. So uh, so stay tuned. And uh, coach is working on it with Chad Karthauser and uh, keeping me abreast. And uh, and away we go. So uh, you know, but yes, I think I think we're talking March first now for the first uh, practice and uh, first spring ball. Yeah, why not add an- add another thing to the calendar coming up next week? Just, just what's one more thing? What's one more thing? <laughs> they I only have ask. to, they only have to travel really to their, like their apartment or dorm to the Pollard though. <laughs> so that, that I think they could make. <laughs> That's doable. Uh, you mentioned again, it is a process of course that it's a public institution. It's not an easy, like we read, identify this person. We're going to hire them. Give us a sense though, of when that timeline of when a new defensive coordinator might be hired. We're in the midst of it right now. We're knee deep in the process. So, uh, you know, uh, like you said, Alex, there's there's some things that we have to make sure that we abide by from a, a state state law standpoint. So that's what we're doing at this stage. But I, I, how about sooner than later? I I just never can pin it down as mm-hmm. far as the date because there's some things that are just out of our control. I can tell you this: when things go into Chad Carthauser's office, it gets out of there as soon as it goes in. And so, but we don't control the process, nor do we control the timing in some of the areas uh, with what we need to kind of move things along. So, so I, I would say sooner than later, for sure. Well, there are a lot of good in-house candidates. There also are a lot of people outside the university scope that would love to have an opportunity because it is a really high profile position to be the D coordinator mm-hmm. at the University of North Dakota. People have gone on from that position to do pretty good things. So they have. There you yes. go. Not a bad spot to be. So, well, I think unless there's anything else from a UND or NCAA perspective, Bill, we can do a little flip over to the B side. I'm just going to leave this one open. I, right now, this time of year, I was thinking about what B side topics can we hit between NCHC winding down, Summit League firing up, all the different things that are happening. I've just not been paying attention nearly as much to like the mainstream sports. I know Super Bowl's done, so football's kind of in the rear view. Hockey just finished All-Star break. Soccer is just starting to get into Champions League round of 16. There just didn't seem to be, and, ba- and baseball is just, it still kind of is depressing to me at the moment where we just all the, all the news out of Fort Myers is just, is just negative. So I'm going to leave this open-ended. What would you like to talk about on the Bill side, or on, on the Bill side, on the B side today, Bill? Yeah, the bill the B, side. Yeah, the bill side. We'll, bill. we'll go there. We'll go there. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. Uh, this time of year, Alex, and and again, you, you're in travel mode a lot too to to kind of you know go in and out. It is hard to keep up right now. But you you think about it, NHL, NBA, you, they're kind of midstream. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you kind of know the good teams, and now they're kind of you're waiting for the playoffs, right, to get going. I mean, a little bit mm-hmm. for us, the Celtics. You know, as long as they don't have too many injuries, they're going to make a deep run in the playoffs. I mean, I you know they're very good, 
but it's hard to watch them in February. I mean, I, you can, but it's just hard. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm just watching soccer, I guess. I, I more so than anything. It seems like the timing that one thing that the premier league has over a lot of other sports, boy, it, 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 you can get up. And as long as you're willing to start your day, um, more times than not, that's when the games are. So it kind of doesn't conflict with things that are going on. Even when I'm on the road with teams, you know, it, team might be playing at 6.30, right? At 6.30 in the morning or whatever, 8.30, depending on where you are, time zone. So, yeah, I, I still find the um, the race for the top four, I think there's going to be a lot. I, I still think there's a lot there. I, I do think mm. just given the World Cup, and I think a lot of – uh, teams have had some injuries. I think uh, just be very fascinating to see where we end. I still think Liverpool has a chance to make a run. I think they, um, I don't know. I, I think, and I don't know if Arsenal, I, I mean, they've had an awesome year, but I I could still see them getting into a, a, a you know, a three, three game spin, so to speak. And next thing you know, it's tightening up. It's spoken like a true Spurs fan. Yes. Right Yes, it is. It does feel right now after this weekend's Man City drew Arsenal win. That gap is now now it's still close. I mean, but those are that's one, two. And it feels like that's where we are right now that there's they've separated themselves. Manchester United have had a really good season Mm -hmm. Uh, against all odds. They have kind of given themselves a little cushion between the rest of the pack and where they are in third place. Spurs are currently in fourth right now. And there's a Big chase pack that are just in Newcastle's in fifth. They've kind of been drawing games lately and not winning games. Liverpool have started to pick up a little, a little bit of momentum, just a little bit. They had a nice win over Newcastle on the road this past weekend. There are still so many teams that could make a charge or are talented enough or capable of doing so. We're still just kind of waiting to see how it all comes together now that we're inching towards March. I'm curious. It does feel like Certainly, the race for fourth is wide open. And then, yeah, do you trust Man United to keep this up? Do you trust Arsenal? We just haven't seen it. We will see. But I, I feel like I feel like the top two for sure are going to finish top four. And Man United seem to be in a good place right now. So it seems like it's almost about seven teams fighting for one spot. But we'll and see. I, f- I feel like we're discounting Brighton and Brentford. And, you know, they've had nice seasons. But I, I just can't imagine when push comes to shove they're going to be able to outpoint some of these teams that we're talking about right now and then the other one that's just really weird and 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 we're going to find out on sunday how weird they are is chelsea what is <laughs> chelsea doing well they're not winning that's i think that's, two, they're not two scoring wins, they're not winning in and they're not scoring right? yeah it's it's crazy they they don't they don't score it is so funny that it's graham potter who was known at Brighton as a guy who played, they played beautiful football. They just couldn't score. And he, it's somehow been transferred over despite all the money they spent. It's kind of the same, you know, standard operation of having the ball a lot, nice passing movements, but no end product. And they're now in 10th place after a 1-0 defeat the other day to Southampton, who's last in the league right now. It's, they, uh, they're listing and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that one's going to go. Well, they're hobbling in to, uh, to North London and uh, on Sunday. So we'll see. Uh, usually Tottenham's a cure for them. What, whatever ails them, Tottenham will cure them. Well, we'll see if that's the case here this week. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope 
well, I don't like Chelsea. Chelsea have always been a team that I just really couldn't stand. And I feel like just the, as much as from a Liverpool perspective, you sort of need Spurs to drop some points so they can get back up and have a shot. We'll drop, we'll drop points. You'll we'll drop, drop points, points. at some point. But yeah, I would, I would much prefer to Spur, that Spurs just continue on and, uh, and keep Chelsea in this particular run. It's just too much fun to see them like this. We can drop points anywhere. <laughs> now, we also have it in us to go on a run, too. So That's true as well. That you know, is true so as well. That's the reason why it's a, fun, it's a fun team to watch. You never know what you're going to get, do you? Oh, you have no idea. We, I think we know what we're going to get with the Red Sox. Oh, boy. Yeah, it might not be great. I loved there was the headline on ESPN this past week about preseason predictions and someone from the Red Sox said, oh, predictions are usually wrong, right? Question mark. And that was kind of like their response to the doom and gloom. Lots of, uh, lots of concern, lots of concern, but well, we have a lot of interesting players certainly having come off of a lot of injuries as well. And so the glass half full will be, they give us, they give us starts, Chris Sale, right? Paxton. I mean, if, if that happens, I do think their bullpen is better. I do believe that. And they should generically, I think, score runs. I think their lineup will score some runs. I just don't know if they have enough primetime players. I mean, we're, we're asking a lot of Tristan Cassis this year. We're asking him to be rookie of the year. That uh, that 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 that's what I'll say. That's what the pod in February. If if the Red Sox are good in August, it's because Tristan Cassis is, is vying for rookie of the year. Mm. Jot it down. That's that's the pre- not the prediction, but that's the cause and effect that we may see over if the course. If he needs of the to season. go get his swing figured out in Worcester, oof, that will not be good. Not good. I will say the one thing, and then we'll go. The one thing about the Red Sox, and we mentioned this weeks ago, they needed to re-sign Rafael Devers, and they did. So the fact that they've done that, at least, that's a win. That was a big win, and you would love it for them to translate into some success and to build the team back up to the way it was a couple of years ago. But it almost feels like, you know, if they have another tough season or however that works, at least they resigned Severs. It's a small little caveat to what might happen. So, considering where we move. were, obviously with a couple of others, right? And 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 I put I don't put Devers and Xander's bucket because he's so young. So young. Uh, but but certainly into the Mookie Mookie area to be able to to sign Devers was huge. Was huge. Now now the question is, can Bello is he going to be is he going to be like a just a a number five starter for us, or is he going to threaten to be an ace? I mean, it, it, there's so many questions, but if it all goes well, awesome. I just, how could all that go well? <laughs> there's a lot of things. <laughs> there are a lot of things that, that are like 50, 50 that need to go your way. You know, yes. if you have a one or two, if like, ah, you know, our, our swing starter is maybe iffy and, you know, we're not sure about the left side of our infield, but everything else is great. That's one thing. This is like X, 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 X needs to happen for this team to have success. And all those things are maybe less than, yeah, 50% proposition. Correct. We'll but, but I'll tell you, it's a, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. How about that? I go into the year curious. That's about as optimistic as I think I can get. 
Oh, I love it. Well, we stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll let you know how things go. We'll be paying attention down in Fort Myers. Interesting spring training this year with all the rule changes, bigger bases, no shift. Ooh, pitch it's gonna count, be interesting. Or pit, or sorry, shot clock. What, what are they calling it? Pitch clock, I suppose. Pitch, pitch clock, clock is the official. The pitch clock. So um, we will see. We'll be paying attention and we'll keep you posted. Yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting. That'll make it uh, very interesting, and especially. If you can't go over on different sides of the field and feed on the uh, deter, uh, the dirt and also be very interesting. Stay tuned. Pitchers and catchers are there. Things are happening. 128 in the books. <laughs> and this podcast has come to a close. So big thanks to Patty Viverito for jumping in and joining us today. Bill, as always, great to see you. Great to chat. Same. Good luck battling the weather all week long. You too. Fingers yeah. crossed. I mean, we'll, okay. we'll be okay. We'll be okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, the great ones adjust. She is undefeated. <laughs> All right. Mother I'm Nature out. marching inexorably on. Oh, on behalf of Patty and Bill and the rest of our behind the scenes crew, I'm Alex. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe. Be smart. Make good decisions out there. <laughs> Enjoy the madness of March when it hits, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>